Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Beyond Reason Radio. So this, according to Fox News, uh, coming out today, some breaking news just a few hours ago, former FBI Director James Comey used a personal email account to conduct unclassified FBI business. That's what the Justice Department's watchdog revealed in an explosive report on the Bureau's conduct in the Hillary Clinton email investigation. DOJ Inspector General Michael Horowitz wrote that he found Comey's use of personal email to be inconsistent with department policy, citing what he called the absence of exigent circumstances and the frequency with which the use of personal email occurred. Horowitz also revealed that FBI agent Peter Strzok used his personal email account for government business. Most notably, Horowitz wrote that Strzok forwarded an email to his personal account regarding a proposed search warrant for former Congressman Anthony Weiner's laptop computer. Horowitz wrote that the email on Strzok's personal account contained information that appears to have been under seal at the time in federal court. This is Beyond Reason Radio. I'm your host, Michael Yaffe, the voice of reason, the voice of truth in a world that is beyond reason. We are on till 9 p.m. tonight right here on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. So maybe, just maybe, this is why Comey did not want to prosecute Hillary Clinton. How could he recommend prosecution for something that he himself was doing. Mm-hmm. He was using personal email accounts. The FBI agents were using personal email. And of course, that's what Hillary's doing. Now, what Hillary did was worse because Hillary had her own personal server, which suggests maybe she had something to hide. But that Inspector General's report came out today dealing with the FBI investigation into Hillary Clinton, which, by the way, remember... That investigation was started by the Democrats. The Democrats wanted to look into that because the Democrats feel that that investigation and Comey talking about the investigation right before the election, saying he was reopening the investigation, is why Trump won. But they found a whole bunch of different stuff. They concluded that Kobe was insubordinate, but that he was not politically motivated in what he did. So there's a lot of different things we're going to go into 
dealing with that report a little bit later in the show, but I thought it was very interesting that Comey was using personal email as well. So, of course, he, he, you know he's thinking, well, I did the same thing. I can't prosecute her for something sure. I did. Sure. So there you go. Um, I have a lot to get to on the show today, Tom Benson. I have North Korea. I have not been on since the summit, so I have to talk about that. Uh, trade war, I have to talk about that. And a lot of other things as well. But first. But first, yes. Three things that must be recognized on the big show this evening. Uh-oh. It's Flag Day. Yes, it is Flag Day. Happy Flag Day, Tom Benson. A lot of people think that uh, Betsy Ross was uh, the creator of the first flag. Give us the history. That is wrong. It was actually designed by a, a delegate from New Jersey to the Continental Congress by the name of Francis Hopkinson. Oh, I didn't know that. And he gave the grand scheme to good old Betsy. Huh. Also, today, oh, wow. 1777, the Continental Army was established. So, happy right. birthday to today's U.S. Army. Yep. The third thing that must be acknowledged today, it's President Trump's 72nd birthday. There we go. Happy birthday. Three things that happen <laughs> on June 14th, plus everything else that's going on in the news. What a wild yeah. day. Yeah, I know. It always seems to be a wild day every day these days. So that's Tom Benson with the history lesson from Professor Tom Benson. Class. <laughs> who is producing today. So, Tom, how are you, by the way? We're doing fine. All right. So there's a lot of different things I want to get to, but I actually want to start with something a little bit different. Because with all that's going on in the world, North Korea, nuclear proliferation, mass shootings, Russia meddling, FBI screwing things up, politi- you know, all this stuff. You probably want to know, might ask sometimes, Yaffe, what keeps you up at night? Yaffe... What keeps you up at night? What's that dreaded three more three o'clock in the morning call you you yeah. you dreaded getting? Exactly. What keeps me up at night? What goes on in the world that really disturbs me, worries me mm-hmm. about the future? Mm-hmm. It's not the FBI. Mm-hmm. It's not North Korea. I think I know where you're going. It's not, you know, fearing for my safety or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's stuff like this oh here we go (laughs) and i want you to stay with me because it will make sense when i get through it there's a piece here that i found in huffington post Mm -hmm. here's the headline if you really love lgbtq people you just can't keep eating chick-fil-a you might say what is it why would this keep you up at night stay with me because this stuff can be worrisome. So this um, was written, you know, in Huffington Post, and it, I had the author, and I don't remember who it was. Some some leftist on the Huffington Post, sure. Uh, who is gay? The the person writing this is ah, gay, of course. Um, she says in this post a lot of different things, but she says if you care about queer people, or you yourself are queer. You have absolutely no business eating at Chick-fil-A ever. Mm -hmm. It's really that straightforward. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of this started because the CEO, you know, the head of Twitter tweeted out a picture of him eating a Chick-fil-A sandwich 
And someone called him out on it and said, how could you do that on Gay Pride Month? And he goes, oh, I forgot about that whole controversy. And then he apologized for eating a chicken sandwich at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. How absurd. (laughs) Right? So people are commenting on it, and that's where she's going with this. She says, yeah, I know, I know, it sucks that we can't have waffle fries. But you know what sucks even more? Not having equal rights and contributing to the profits of a company that wants to ensure you never do because it believes you're fundamentally disordered or unnatural or sinful or some delightful combination of all three. She says, it's time to choose where your loyalties lie, with your community or with your stomach. I'm hoping you can find another restaurant to satiate your chicken sandwich cravings. If all else fails, there's always this recipe to make a copycat version of Chick-fil-A favorite at home. I guess she found one online. Sure, it won't be exactly the same, but it's pretty damn close. I promise it'll go down a whole lot easier without all the nasty queer phobia you've been ingesting. Now, the main thing, the main reason why she says you should not eat a Chick-fil-A if you're gay. Two reasons. One, because um, the president of Chick-fil-A, we remember, came out in 2012 saying we are inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say, we know better than you as what constitute a marriage. And I pray God's mercy on our generation that has such a prideful, arrogant attitude to think that we have the audacity to find what marriage is all about. So that was the first thing. So the president of Chick-fil-A had an opinion and that means you can't eat there now. Who uh, has a, has or had a vacation home at New Smyrna beach. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I love New Smyrna beach. Vacation homes are very expensive there. (laughs) Regular homes are very expensive (laughs) there. Um, She also says that the company put its money where Kathy's vile mouth was by donating millions of dollars each year to anti-LGBTQ organizations. All right. So what were these organizations Mm -hmm. that Chick-fil-A donated to? Mm -hmm. Here's the vile anti-LGBTQ organizations they donated to. Marriage and Family Legacy Fund, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, mm-hmm. National Christian Foundation, Focus on the Family, yeah. Eagle Forum, Exodus International, Family Research Council. And by the way, most of it went to uh, Marriage and Family Legacy Fund and Fellowship of Christian Athletes, National Christian Foundation. Those are the big ones. The other ones were barely anything. Um Christian organizations. That's Mm. all they are. Yeah. They're your basic Christian organizations. So we have Chick-fil-A donating basically to just Christian organizations. Its president is Christian. And that means they are hateful. That means they are homophobic. And that means if you disagree with the opinion of the president, you can't eat there at all. This disturbs me. It really does. Because think about this. Has Chick-fil-A ever uh, turned away someone because they're gay? No. Has Chick-fil-A ever refused to hire someone because they're gay? No. Has Chick-fil-A as a company ever put out anything anti-gay, encouraging gays not to be there or anything like that? Is there anything when you go into Chick-fil-A that suggests that they're homophobic? No. Nothing at all. 
at all. Unless somehow cows are homophobic. I don't know how that is. I was going to say there's no roosters. There's just chickens there. They're (laughs) anti-burgers. So (laughs) there you go. But they're not anti-gay. So, and she actually talks about in the article how she's very frustrated that a lot of gay people still go there. A lot of her gay friends still go to Chick-fil-A. Oh, man. The reason why stuff like this keeps me up at night is because I feel like we're coming to a point in this country... And it's not good where you can't have an opinion. We can't disagree peacefully. We can't have different opinions in the arena of ideas. That if you are president of a company, you can't be a Christian. No, it's the Christians that are the haters now. Can't be a Christian, can't donate to Christian causes. Otherwise, we won't go there. So you're going to have, if this trend continues... With all of the division that's going on in the country right now, all of the political polarization, there's one area in American life where really that doesn't exist too much. And that's commerce. That's your daily business life or your daily consumer life. So there are many different types of people that shop at the mall. Many different types of people that shop at grocery stores. Many different types of people that go into gas stations and and um, Walmarts and all of the restaurants and all of that stuff. If we continue to go down this trend, you are going to start having different groups shopping at different areas based on what that company's political preferences might be, or not even the company itself, but just people in the company, people heading the company. Let's also take it to a ridiculous uh, extreme. I can imagine somebody saying, don't buy things from Amazon because they also sell to Christians. Yeah, oh, that's very true. You know? And that disturbs me because what you have, what you have in that situation is you literally have groups of people completely divided in every aspect of American life. In our own groups, not only online, not only who they vote for or their friends, but literally where they go on a daily basis, where they shop on a daily basis, will be completely in our separate groups. It'll be like completely different countries right here. One of the beauties of the American Constitution is the First Amendment, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom of speech. And the reason why that's beautiful is you have individuals in this country Walking past each other on a daily basis, they can have completely different opinions, but they can peacefully coexist with each other. That's what has made America, one thing has made America so great. But now when you have people saying you can't even go to a place and get a chicken sandwich because, well, the head of the company said something that you disagree with. If we go to that extreme and and the left continues to go down this social justice road where they do this to every company, they try to do this with Publix, remember, earlier this year. They wanted to boycott Publix. You're going to have people on the right doing the same thing. You're going to have people on the right checking what the CEO of, say, Amazon, who's pretty liberal on a lot of stuff, They're not going to want to shop at Amazon anymore. They're not going to want to go on Facebook anymore. They're not going to want to go to any organization that donated to any pro-gay group. And can you you imagine who AT&T supports with their charitable dollars? (gasps) Yeah. Oh, man. How many of these groups support Planned Parenthood, for instance? Well, that's all right. (laughs) So 
you're gonna this stuff disturbs me when we can't peacefully coexist peacefully disagree with each other you are going to have the division in this country go to extremes like you said tom benson and what's the next step the next step is civil war (laughs) i know that sounds very extreme and i'm not saying we're going to this part i still have hope in the country that we're not going well but when you have these different groups we're already seeing it in some of these protests but we have become so divided that we can't peacefully disagree and you're going to have mobs against each other and it will be beyond what we see on social media. It will go, it will start springing outside of social media and mm-hmm. it will be in the streets. Mm-hmm. And that disturbs me. But this leads me because this leads me to what Trump said this week. That also disturbs me. Trump tweeted this out and I was critical of this. And a lot of people probably don't like that. I was, but here it is. Trump tweeted this out. He said, so funny to watch the fake news, especially NBC and CNN. Mm-hmm. They are fighting hard to downplay the deal with North Korea. Uh-huh. 500 days ago, they would have begged for this deal looked like war would break out. Now, I agree with him. But he said this. Our country's biggest enemy is the fake news so easily promulgated by fools. I don't like the last sentence there, and this is why. He doesn't like NBC. He doesn't like CNN. Okay, because NBC and CNN disagree with them a lot. I don't really like them either. Sometimes they're okay. Most of the time, no, I don't like them. NBC or CNN. But I don't consider them the enemy because they disagree. When we come to a point in this country, and this goes back to the Chick-fil-A thing, and this is the other side of it, where... People we disagree with or groups we disagree with on politics or something are literally the enemy. You are headed towards a dangerous path in this country. Now, when Trump says this like this, it's mostly bluster. He doesn't really think they're the enemy. But he's setting a precedent of hatred towards one another in this country. And it, that's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night because that's the kind of stuff that can bleed over to like violence in the streets or something. It's like after the Parkland shooting and you had that CNN town hall and you had this sort of mob mm-hmm. against people like Marco Rubio. Why? Because they disagree. They were calling him and, and the NRA supporters and the NRA the most vile, nasty things. And it was like, that disturbed me. That kind of stuff keeps me up because it's like, that's like mob Violent, and you're going to have different mobs now attacking each other. This is going to bleed beyond social media. And when Trump says stuff like that, while I agree that the bias is very annoying, when we start calling our fellow Americans enemies merely because we disagree, you're headed towards a dangerous path. So that's the kind of stuff that worries me because I think a lot of these outside forces are not going to hurt this country. But I think we can be destroyed from within. And this is how. And this is how. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. We're going to talk about that Inspector General report. We're going to talk about North Korea. And we have a lot more to get to. This is Beyond Reason Radio. I'm your host, Michael Yaffe. We'll be right back. If you miss any of the show, you can download the Beyond Reason podcast on iTunes. Your voice of truth in a world of fake news. The On Reason Radio continues right now. 
Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is Orlando Smart Talk Radio, Beyond Reason Radio. Make sure you check out the podcast. Anywhere podcasts are available, just look up Beyond Reason Network. You can catch this show. You can catch the Florida Roundtable. You can catch Moment of Clarity. All shows that I am a part of will be on my podcast stream. Um, you can check that out on iHeartRadio as well. So we have... The Inspector General report, Michael Horowitz, came out with the much-anticipated Inspector General report that, remember, it was started by the Democrats because the Democrats were upset at Comey. Let's not forget about that part. But that came out today on Trump's birthday. Nice nice birthday present for Trump. <laughs> they say that was just a coincidence, but who knows. So there's a lot of different details that came out in this report. Uh, let's go ahead and play the report uh, from Fox News covering what came out in this inspector general report? Here it is. The FBI and DOJ are on the hot seat after a 500-plus page report details insubordination and broken protocol by former FBI Director James Comey over the Hillary Clinton email investigation. This report did not find any evidence of political bias or improper considerations actually impacting the investigation under review. Current FBI Director Christopher Wray reacting, but two FBI officials are facing White House criticism after the report cited several anti-Trump text messages between agent Peter Strzok and his mistress, Lisa Page, a lawyer with the FBI. One message read, we'll stop, then candidate Donald Trump. I'm not going to talk about any particular personnel matter. Director Wray tight lip, but saying any alleged misconduct in the report will be addressed. Tom Graham, Fox News. All right, so uh, that, that's the basics. Here, here are the basic revelations that we've gotten from this report. The report says that Comey was insubordinate but was not politically biased. There, were, there was no po- political bias that came out in the investigation dealing with him. My thoughts on Comey are this. He thinks very highly of himself. That, that is the impression that I've gotten Comey because what Comey did is he broke protocol. By going out and making an announcement that he's not recommending prosecution, that's not what you do. If you're the head of the FBI, you go to the Justice Department and you tell them your job is to investigate. Your job is not to decide whether to prosecute or not. In other words, he said to himself, I want to do it my way. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he thinks fairly highly of himself. Now, he said he did this because he wanted it to be above board and he was afraid what Attorney General you know, Loretta Lynch was going to do with it. Or whatever. Like I said, he just thinks he just thinks really highly of himself that he is the guy who understands the truth better than anyone, and I don't have to follow protocols. So there you go. The other thing the report calls out is Peter Strzok and Lisa Page for this text exchange. This was pretty bombshell part of it. So Lisa Page texts Peter Strzok. Mm-hmm. Now remember, Peter Strzok was the FBI agent. Lisa Page was one of the lawyers working for the FBI. Right. Uh, this is what Page said. Trump's not ever going to be president, right? Right? Strzok responded, no, he won't. We'll stop it. Ooh. Right, then now the report didn't come up with any conclusion that they had any real effort to stop him. But. But that's pretty bad. It just, and the conclusion I get from that is it makes me laugh when people, you criticize stuff going on in the FBI and people are like, no, no, you can't criticize the FBI the FBI is this great institution. And I'm like, there's still people. To say there's not political bias, even with FBI investigators in this totally polarized political environment we live in today, 
I think it's totally possible there's political bias. And this is proof. There's political bias all over their text, all over the place. All over the world, there's bias. Yeah. Newspapers, exactly. radio, TV. Right. So to say that, oh, it can't happen in the <laughs> FBI, here's proof that it did. Yeah. Now, they obviously weren't the biggest fans of Hillary either, but they really, really hated Trump. And that that's obvious. And, and what the investigation also found is that that political bias might have played into effect later. So the report suggests that Strzok wanted to focus on the the Russia investigation so much that he sat on the latest developments in the Hillary email scandal and didn't do anything with them for months. That was when they found Wiener's laptop and they found all of those emails in Anthony Wiener's laptop Peter Strzok didn't do anything for months because he wanted to focus on Russia investigation against Trump. And the report kind of says, in assessing the decision to prioritize the Russia investigation over following up the mid-year related investigative lead discovered on Wiener Laptop, we were particularly concerned about the text messages sent by Strzok and Page that potentially indicated or created the appearance that investigated decisions they made were impacted by bias or improper considerations. Um, they thought that struck under these circumstances, we did not have confidence that struck's decision to prioritize the Russia investigation over following up on the mid-year related investigative lead discover on Wiener's laptop was free from bias. So there's evidence that they should have continued the Hillary investigation earlier but didn't because of the bias. Now, what's really ironic about that is because they waited so long, Comey sent that letter right before, you know, we, it was like a week or something. Before it was in October. Sure. October 16th, something yeah. like that. They sent that letter just like a week before the actual election, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which they say might have hurt Hillary Clinton. So Strzok's bias against Trump might have actually helped Trump. In the long run, which is very interesting. I'm not sure it really did. I don't think that's why Trump won, but it just shows that there was bias in the investigation. There's proof right there. Now, the other conclusion to get from this report is this does not necessarily make Trump look great. Doesn't make him look bad, but the the part I just mentioned to you about struck and everything. The left will use this to continue the narrative that the only reason Trump won is because the FBI botched this investigation and reopened it right before the election on Hillary Clinton. The left has been pushing that narrative for a while that it's James Comey's fault, that it's the FBI's fault that Trump won, and this will continue to push that narrative. That does not make Trump look good. Because Trump obviously doesn't want to believe, and I don't, and I think Trump's right. I don't think that's why. But the left's going to continue to push that narrative. Now, the other thing that I concluded, and this is the main conclusion I get, is that both sides, left and right, are going to use this because there's so much there to criticize with this investigation. In fact, Jeffrey Tubin, who is a former federal prosecutor, he was on CNN today. I usually don't agree with anything he ever says. But he actually was on Jake Tapper's show today, and he said something that I think is exactly right. Here it is. The the paradox of this report 
is that there are mistakes galore. Oh, yeah. But they don't all point in one direction. No, there are a ton the, of them. The, that, but they, they don't all show that they were helping Trump. They don't all show that they were helping Hillary Clinton. They go in different directions. So you see in the politically polarized environment in which we live, yeah. uh, Republicans in the White House focusing on that, uh, on those text messages. We see Democrats focusing on how uh, the, the Inspector General criticizes Comey for holding that news, you know, for announcing that news 10 days before the election. There's enough in both of these yeah. for both camps to find things to criticize. And in so that's exactly what's going to happen out of this. It's entirely predictable, especially in today's world. There's so much there that the left's going to focus on things to criticize. The right's going to focus on things to criticize. And then there we are. <laughs> it's usual political polarization. That's because the FBI screwed up so much that the left's mad and that the right's mad. The only thing that maybe both sides can agree on is that the FBI screwed up. But the right's going to focus on different things. The left's going to focus on different things. It's, there's nothing in it that really helps one side more than the other. So uh, there you go. All right. We had the North Korea summit earlier, you know, over the week, at the beginning of the week. And I haven't had, I haven't been on the show since. I haven't had a chance to give my in-depth analysis. And I will. And we'll do that next. This is Beyond Reason Radio. I'm your host, Michael Yaffe. We'll be right back. If you heart Beyond Reason Radio, listen to the Beyond Reason Radio podcast on iHeartRadio. Just download the iHeartRadio app and search Beyond Reason Radio. The place where we talk faith, culture, and politics. Beyond Reason Radio continues. All right, so do you want to know what my main opinion is on the North Korean summit between Trump and Kim Jong-un. What what does Yaffe really think about it? Here's what I think about it. I'm going to borrow some words from Trump, actually, to say what I think about it. We'll see what happens. That's basically all you can get out of it. Because it's, it's a start. Mm -hmm. We'll put it that way. Right. If the joint statement that Trump... And Kim Jong-un put out is is the deal. Say that was the whole deal and that's the end of it. It would be incredibly weak. It would be nothing. I mean, there's a lot. It's very vague and there's not a whole lot there in the statement. There's, there's some good things in the statement. I'm not saying that. But if that's it, it's not that great. But I don't think that's it. There's I don't get any impression that that's the end of it. From everything I've heard, it's just the beginning. It seems like what Trump is doing is trying to build a relationship. And this is what Trump does. He's trying to build a relationship with the country so they can progress and move forward in their agreements. Now, there were some things that honestly uh, made me made me uncomfortable. Really? For instance, and Jonah Goldberg from the National Review tweeted this tweeted this out. He was looking at uh, the American flag and the North Korean flag. When you saw the summit, they had the American flag next to the North Korean flags right next to each other. Right. This is what he tweeted out. He said, for what it's worth, I think the North Korean flag is a piece of vile filth that stands for the dynastic rule of a racist cult that subjugates, tortures, and enslaves its own people. Ideally, it would spontaneously combust when it even touches our flag 
but no effing way should it stand equal to ours. I have to admit, when he put that out, it's hard not to agree with that when you see this sort of equal standing of North Korea, the flag, and the leadership there with our country. That's been the biggest criticism of what Trump did, that this sort of props up their country and puts them on equal standing with us. Now, I understand why Trump is doing this. A lot of people think Trump is the master deal maker. I don't really think Trump's the master deal maker. I think what Trump really is, is the master salesman. He's a master marketer. He's a master salesman of himself. So what he's doing is he's trying to make a sale. That's his approach to what he's doing with Kim Jong-un. He's literally trying, as a salesman would, trying to go there and trying to close a sale. You know, you say close a deal. The details of a deal, I don't think Trump's that great on. He just wants to sell the idea of our countries coming together. The problem is Trump doesn't know how to do this moderately. He has to go over the top with everything. So he has to put their flags next to ours. And I have a montage here of Trump basically praising Kim Jong-un. This is what Trump does. I understand he's making the sale, but it, I have to admit, it makes me a little uncomfortable to hear our president praise this murderous dictator as much as he did. Here's a montage of it. Well, he is very talented. Anybody that takes over a situation like he did at 26 years of age and is able to run it and run it tough. I don't say he was nice or I don't say anything about it. He ran it. Very few people at that age, you can take one out of 10,000 probably could. How do you trust a killer like that? George, I'm given what I'm given. Okay. I mean, this is what we have and this is where we are. And I can only tell you from my experience and I met him, I've spoken with him and I've met him. And this was, as you know, started very early and it's been very intense. Uh, I think that he really wants to do a great job for North Korea. I think he wants to denuke. Really, he's got a great personality. He's a, you know, funny guy. He's a very smart guy. He's a great negotiator. He loves his people. Not that I'm surprised by that, but he loves his people. His country does love him. His people, you see the fervor. They have a great fervor. Very smart, very good negotiator. Wants to do the right thing. He wants to do the right thing. He's clearly executing people. He's a tough guy. Hey, when you take over a country, tough country, tough people and you take it over from your father i don't care who you are what you are how much of an advantage you have if you can do that at 27 years old you i mean that's one in ten thousand that could do that so he's a very smart guy he's a great negotiator but i think we understand each other but he's still done some really bad things Yeah, but so have a lot of other people done some really bad things. I mean, I could go through a lot of nations where a lot of bad things were done. So a lot of that makes me uncomfortable, saying he loves his people. The people love him, talking about Kim Jong-un. He's so smart. He took over that country. Only a few people could have taken over that country. Uh, Not really. (laughs) They just... He was just born into it. I mean, I guarantee I could have done a better job, honestly. Um, But, you know, it kind of propping up this guy... And making him seem more than what he is, it makes me uncomfortable. I have to admit, I think he goes over the top, but this is what Trump does. Trump is trying to make a sale. That is his complete approach to this. 
There's another example of that I'll get into in a second, but let's go over a little bit what the what the joint statement says. So there was four points in the joint statement, and here they are. It says the United States and the DPRK commit to establish new U.S. DPRK relations and according to the desire of the peoples of the two countries for peace and prosperity. The United States and the DPRK will join their efforts to build a lasting and stable peace regime on the Korean Peninsula, reaffirming the April 27th, 2018 Panam Jum Declaration. I totally did that wrong. The DPRK commits to work towards complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. The United States and the DPRK commit to recovering POW MIA remains, including the immediate repatriation of those already identified. I mean, all those things are fine. They're good. I don't have a problem with any of that. But that's, you know, it's vague and it's weak. There's going to have to be more to this, more than just this statement. But from everything I've heard from people in his administration, this is just the beginning. This is just the first step. Now, some encouraging things come from Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Now, Mike Pompeo has been saying that Kim really understands what denuclearization actually means, and he's committed to it. Pompeo has also said that we have the technical expertise to go in there and really verify if he gets rid of his nukes. And he also said, and he said this in China today, he said that um, we will not lift sanctions, and Trump said this as well. Now, North Korea and China have been saying something kind of different, saying we might lift some sanctions early. But according to Pompeo and according to Trump, we're not going to lift those sanctions until some steps are made. And here's Pompeo today. The sanctions relief cannot take place until such time as we have demonstrated that North Korea has been completely denuclearized. Okay, so if Mike Pompeo is right there, um, then it's good. As long as we don't get weak ahead of time, as long as we wait, we don't relieve the pressure now, but we continue the pressure until we actually see verifiable change. So it's not like the Iran deal. The Iran deal was we bribe them, we give that to them immediately, and then we put in the inspectors and hope that they changed. Now, the Iran deal also wasn't complete denuclearization. It was partial denuclearization, and it was only a temporary denuking where this would be permanent and it would be complete and it'd be verifiable. So with the Iran, we put the carrot first. With right. Korea, we're putting the carrot last. Exactly. As long as that's what we're doing, there has been some mixed message. Now, we are stopping the military exercises, which I think is a mistake. I don't think we should be doing that. Um, that's taking away, you know, like you said, the stick or whatever. Um, but the stick before the carrot. But We'll see what basically the biggest conclusion is that we'll we'll see what happens. I can't. I think there could be some good from this. It could take years, but it could be the start of something. Trump is doing something that other leaders are haven't done. He's trying a different approach. He was elected because he was willing to think out of the box, because he was willing to do the hard things, because he was willing to try a different approach, and that's what he's doing now. Now. The other thing that came out of this summit, which was very interesting, was, and apparently this was done by John Bolton's team, was the video that he showed Kim Jong-un. It was played like a movie trailer, and it basically highlights what could happen if Kim Jong-un comes on board. Here's a little bit of that. Destiny Pictures presents a story of opportunity, a new story, a new beginning, one of peace, two men, 
two leaders, one destiny. A story about a special moment in time when a man is presented with one chance that may never be repeated. What will he choose? To show vision and leadership? Or not? So, I mean, it's kind of funny. It got some criticism, but I think it was brilliant. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. I think it was the exact right thing to do because that is the language they speak, especially Kim Jong-un. He's apparently into movies, apparently in American media. They're into propaganda like that. If you can display the opportunity to them in a way that they understand, and they would understand that, it could be very appealing. You're creating a what-if yeah. scenario. And, I mean, you have to remember Donald Trump's approach here. Trump, more than anything, is a salesman. He is trying to close the sale. And he is he goes over the top, but this is what salesmen do. They create the what-if scenarios. They put out these videos that show, ooh, this is what you do if you sign on board. They praise the person they're talking to. He's trying to close a sale like any other salesman. And people are upset because they're expecting him to be a diplomat. Trump's not a diplomat. He is a salesman. And it's out-of-the-box thinking. It might not work, but there's a possibility that it will work. So like I said, the basic thing that you conclude from this is we'll see what happens? 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. One more segment to go here on Beyond Reason Radio. This is Beyond Reason Radio. I'm your host, Michael Yaffe. We'll be right back. Listen to the latest episodes of Beyond Reason. Download the podcast at Spreaker.com. The Voice of Reason in a world that is beyond reason, is back now. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is Michael Yaffe here on Beyond Reason Radio, here on News Radio 102.5 WFLA, part of the Beyond Reason Network. So, if you want to... Well, the other thing that came out over the weekend, before the summit, before the North Korean summit, was the G7 summit. Or now they're saying it's the G6 plus one. A lot of different things came out of that. Um... Trump wanting Russia to be involved. I could do a whole hour on that. It's just kind of whatever. He says he wants Russia to be involved because he's like, well, if we're going to talk tough to them, why aren't they here? Then they can be here and we'll talk tough. I mean, I, I think he just did that to troll the media and to troll these countries. I really think because he knows that stuff's going to rile people up and he just says it because he knows it. I really do. But um, the biggest thing that came out of it was the whole dispute between us and Canada, between Trump and and Prime Minister Trudeau. In fact, after the summit, when Trump was already on Air Force One, headed towards the North Korea summit, Trudeau held a press conference, and this is what he said. It would be with regret, but it would be with absolute certainty and firmness that we move forward with retaliatory measures on July 1st, applying equivalent tariffs to the ones that the Americans have Uh, unjustly applied to us. Uh, I have made it very clear to the president that it is not something we relish doing, but it is something that we absolutely will do because Canadians, we're polite, we're reasonable, but we also will not be pushed around. So Trudeau said that and Trump got very, very upset. Although I don't think it's that, I really didn't think it was that bad. It's not really any worse than anything Trump has said. 
But Trump tweeted out, he said, based on Justin's false statements at his news conference and the fact that Canada is charging massive tariffs to our U.S. farmers, workers, and companies, I have instructed our U.S. reps not to endorse the communique as we look at tariffs on automobiles flooding the U.S. market. He also tweeted out, PM Justin Trudeau of Canada acted so meek and mild during our G7 meetings, only to give a news conference after I left saying the U.S. tariffs were kind of insulting and he will not be pushed around. Very dishonest and weak. Our tariffs are in response to his 270% tariff on dairy. So here's the whole thing. I've talked a lot about tariffs and why I think Trump is really off base on this. But I did a little research. It's according to the Pew Research Center. He's complaining about Canada's high tariffs. Canada's screwing us with all their tariffs, right? Mm -hmm. In 2016, according to the World Bank, the average applied U.S. tariff across all products was 1.61%. That's an average across all products. That was about the same as the average of the EU, which was 1.6%. Not much higher than Japan's 1.35%. Canada's average applied tariff rate, 0.85%. Why am I pointing that out? That means that Canada's average applied tariff rate is lower, not higher, lower, lower than ours. So what's, what's, the, what's the problem here? We're acting as if tariff is constantly screwing us, or Canada is constantly screwing us with high tariffs. But the research shows that they're not. The research also shows we do not have some kind of major trade deficit with them. And even if we did, so what? All this is a show. It's a game for politics. No reality to it. By the way, another thing you might not know is we put tariffs and protections on sugar right here in the United States. So to act like all we have are low tariffs and no, all these other countries are screwing us. No, we have protections as well on things like sugar. I'm all with Trump to get rid of all of these barriers. I'm with him. But this idea that Canada is somehow screwing us all the time with these tariffs, I don't see the evidence of that. All right. I appreciate you uh, joining the show today. If you miss any of the show, catch on the podcast on the Beyond Reason Network podcast stream and check out my other stuff as well. And well, I will catch you guys next time.